Hi everyone, I'm your host Carmen Tang and welcome to the Another Startup Story podcast. The aim of this podcast is to educate and inspire you through your entrepreneurial journey as a new or well-seasoned entrepreneur. I'm so excited you've joined us today in this conversation where I'll be talking to inspiring individuals that share their insights and tips to improve aspects in your business and your personal life. So today I'll be speaking to the talented Raider Juari today who is the founder and creative director of Kinfil, which is a set of eco-friendly home care collection, collections. In today's episode, we'll be giving you a crash course on the future of cleaning. I personally love startups that really def- redefine industries and set, um, set a new bar. So just a bit more about Radar. So before we get into our conversation, He was born and raised in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. And then after finishing high school, he enrolled at the Art Academy, but only attended the school for only one year, eventually quit and applied for a job um, as an intern at an ad agency. He then continued to stay on that that job for three years um, and then went on to work um, at another ad agency as a strategic planner, looking for insight in current businesses and markets. At the age of 23, he applied for a position at Fabrica in Italy, which is a creative think tank founded and funded by the company Benetton. He eventually returned back to Rotterdam to start a creative director position at Premium Inc. And after working there for about four years, he eventually started Kinfil. So the Kinfil products, for those of you who don't know or haven't seen them, are really stunning and just so aesthetically pleasing. You kind of assume they're for room sprays and you wouldn't expect them to be cleaning products. They're packaged in everlasting Italian glass bottles, which are becoming the new Instagrammable cleaning products that sit beautifully in anyone's home. So I'm really thrilled to be chatting to the creator of Kinfil himself on the future of cleaning and the process it took to really develop this beautiful product range. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Carmen. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. So you're speaking from, you're over in Waterdam at the moment, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are yeah. you in lockdown? <laughs> I never know. Um, well, we have an intelligent lockdown in, uh, in Rotterdam or in the Netherlands, um, which means um, you can pretty much do a lot. The cafes are closed. Uh, you wear masks. Um, but yeah, um, it, it's not a complete lockdown. It, it is a lockdown where they, where the government uh, really counts on the, the responsibility of its people. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's pretty safe over there, right? Or... Um, no, no. Well, the numbers were going up last week again. Oh um, yeah, yeah. But, but there are pros and cons for an intelligent lockdown. Um, yeah. There's a lot of freedom, but there's also a lot of uncertainty. Mm. So people don't know what to do, uh, when to wear a mask. Um, yeah, so it's, 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 uh, it's, it's really interesting to see how this uh, pandemic uh, affects the, the, uh, the democratic process all over the world. You can see it in the US, you can see it here. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Earlier on, you were saying to me how you know. So you launched the, the company in January this year, twenty twenty, yeah. yeah. um, which you could say is a blessing and a curse because the, one of the reasons why you wanted to do it was to be able to do business travel, <laughs> which is almost yeah, yeah. Possible yeah now. Well, so. when I when I think about start when I was used to think about starting a business, it was always uh, you would 
somehow become successful and travel and meet shop owners and meet have difficult meetings or maybe exciting meetings and uh well now we do everything through zoom and through teams so uh yeah it doesn't really feel like grinding right now uh, you know maybe that's the word like really working hard like traveling uh, yeah it, it feels very safe and and and, and, and yeah controlled uh, to yeah. do it from yeah. yes did you originally plan to start in in january and obviously yeah. you you know covid i think happened well i think the first cases were in china in december, in december i yeah. think it would have been you know no one would have thought it would have blown over like this no, um, no. So, yeah, tell us a bit more. So, first, you tell us a bit more about Kinfield and how you came up with the idea. Um, because your background is in, you know, advertising agencies, you were a planner, yeah. and then you were a creative director. So, how did you, why the cleaning, you know, industry? <laughs> uh, well, the idea for um, a cleaning product started, I think, uh, about four or five years ago. Um, when me and two of my friends were discussing uh, the simple idea of something everyone deals with is, uh, it was a simple question. Why are our laptop screens always smudged, smudged with fingerprints? And it's especially uh, annoying when you have to present something or show someone something. So we were playing around with the idea, like what if we make some kind of product that we could just wipe your screen with, and maybe we could brand it in a way uh, that to make it maybe with, with advertising on it, you know, maybe with, with <laughs> cool, cool brands that would uh, almost like a free postcard. That's uh, like an right, editorial right. kind of. Uh, that you would keep on your desk. Yeah. 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 Something like that. That, that was the first idea. That's how I got with, in, into the cleaning, just in the, the cleaning, cleaning realm in a way. Um, so yeah, that idea. Uh, developed itself for four years uh, we started have seen uh, well that that idea was was nice but it was not sustainable and uh, we couldn't I don't know it didn't really feel good so I just started developing this audio uh, other idea which is which looks like Kim Hill uh, but without the sustainability elements to it so it was just as a designer or as a strategic planner, it was the idea of why are cleaning brands boring? That was basically what I was thinking. Um, um, so yeah, I just started thinking about it without really having a, a fixed idea of I want to do this. So I was just playing with the ideas for, I think, yeah, four to five years. Um, and let me think, how did I get to this point? Um, I, well, at first I was, I, I was, my first problem was the plastic industry, um, mm -hmm. you know, because um, the, the models, the, the business models at the moment are very inefficient uh, um, because the, the main idea of using one, one type of plastic that can be, uh, can, can be, uh, how do you say it? recycled in, in each country is a really terrific idea but but reality shows that it just doesn't work like that um, because yeah each city each municipality each uh, has its own waste stream uh, processor 
uh, with different machines, different types of plastics that, that they can handle. Um, so yeah, that's why I thought, hey, let's do something with glass. Uh, <laughs> so I started driving around in the Netherlands, uh, visiting soap factories and soap producers. And they all found me a bit weird and odd because uh, <laughs> this young guy coming in like, hi, I want to start my own cleaning brand. How um, old were you at the time, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, no, this was two, uh, two years ago, I think. Yeah. So I was, uh, what was it, 29. Um, oh. So that's not really young. Uh, um, but um, yeah, after the, the, the reason, well, so the, the idea was to have a glass bottle with detergent in it. And that mm -hmm. looked really amazing and communicated in a way that we have never seen, that we see from cosmetic brands, but not from uh, cleaning brands or home care brands. Yeah. Um, so uh, the first eye opener was when I went to a factory that told me, hey, um, I want to sell you this, this detergent that is eco uh, certified in, the, in Europe. Uh, but the, 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 they, I can't allow you uh, to put it in a glass bottle because the certificate for the eco label states that you have to uh, sell the product in a PET bottle. So, um, yeah, so I could buy the certified soap, but I could not uh, use the, uh, how do you say it? It's the certificate. Right, I see. Uh, yeah, so that's what I... Yeah, yeah, and, and most of the products we buy are white label soaps that we just brand and then um, uh, mm. sell. But that was for me, the, that, that's when the idea came to me like, okay, I need to do something completely different and really produce my own detergents in a way that's really smart and, and, and more sustainable than the products that are available today. Um, yeah, so um let me think yeah, yeah. Um, so i guess like uh, you know I, i've got so many other questions for you yeah. looking more so into the ingredients um and i was yeah. saying to you before i recently well i always have this conversation with friends of mine um, about the safety of ingredients or the products that we use on a daily basis um yeah. and as a result you know last year i did a full like bathroom, home order, and threw away so much makeup, um, toiletries, yeah. and different swapping soaps for more clean beauty brands. But I think, you know, the same can be really said for um, cleaning products, of course. And even now I try and, you know, I'm always telling my partner, can we buy the eco-friendly um, like laundry detergents? Because um, I've heard there's a lot of sodium laurel sulfate in a lot of yeah, shampoos. Yeah, and so I'm always like trying to read the ingredients and trying to avoid these chemicals. And um, because if you think about it, all of this is going on our skin and our body. Like even the toilet, yeah. the cleaning products, you're cleaning the services that we eat off and that we touch. You know, so. Yeah. I think my question for you is, I mean, we're looking at cleaning products here and most people don't think it's the most glamorous industry. Um, no. And, and for example, for skincare, there's so many people writing blogs about what ingredients to look for and what skincare products to use, but you just have this big information gap within the cleaning industry. So yeah, where, where do you think the future of, you know, um, the future of cleaning is going to go and, and how can, can you share a bit more about ingredients and how you work with a chemist to develop the product itself 
Uh, yeah, of course. Um, well, first I want to, to say that working with a chemist really changed my mind and opinion. Uh, my chemist is a very experienced man uh, who's almost going into retirement. Um, um, and, 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 and seeing things from a chemist's point of view, which I'm not, um, sometimes um, takes, it takes away the anxiety or the panic we have when we read something uh, about a certain ingredient that would be bad. Um, and uh, most of the time, uh, my chemist told me, don't worry, um, uh, it's all about the amount of product you use uh, and the way you use it. Um, uh, because I don't believe uh, all chemical products or all cleaning brands that we, we combine the supermarket at the moment are bad, are really bad for our health. Um, I think it has to do more with the way we use them and um, uh, the, the amounts of like SLS is is, 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 a, is a chemical substance, which is really strong and very chemical, but uh, it depends on the dosage that's in the product. So, so we can really, um, I find it really hard to, to say like, all supermarket products are really bad because that's just not true. They, uh, they all get tested by the, because also Kinfo products, which I didn't know, but before you can go to market, you, you really have to have it tested, especially here in the Netherlands. And right now we are working with a Swiss uh, um, big retail, retail chain, and they really do extensive testing before you can enter that country. And the same goes for Japan. Uh, but I'll tell you about, about how I approached Kinfo when we were producing the, 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 mm -hmm, the detergents. Yeah. Um, because since I'm not a chemist <laughs> and I, I was not originally from the cleaning brand, uh, <laughs> industry, cleaning yeah. uh, industry, I, I just gave him a very simple, uh, a simple briefing, like, uh, just use stuff we use in makeup or in cosmetics that we use on our faces. Because, because for me, if it's, if we, if you could use it on your face, you could definitely use it on your countertop. Uh, so, so it's, it's, um, there, there is, there is a lot of panic, uh, in the world and every week there is another, uh, hype with another substance that's really bad for you and that would kill you. But, um, it, it's, I, I just, it's not that bad, uh, in my opinion, uh, because there are so many instances and, and especially um, governmental services that check your product before you can go to market. Um, yeah, because, so as I said, right. yeah. But uh, you were saying earlier on that not all chemicals are bad, right? Can you, because I guess you need some sort of chemical to actually clean the surface yeah. thoroughly enough. Yeah, yeah well, that's the thing. Uh, because when I told my chemist this, his answer was very simple because he said, I told him about toxic chemicals and he told me there are far more stronger natural to uh, toxic substances. So uh, natural is not always better uh, because you, in the lab you can control far more uh, than in nature. Uh, and one simple example is a citric acid, which is something you could get out of let's say a, a, a lemon or a citrus or 
but you can also grow it from a black mold in a, in a, in a lab. And I think that the, the, the key is not only to, to pick safe uh, chemicals, but also look at the dosage, but to make it really sustainable, also look like, do we get this out of the earth? Or can we cultivate this in a petri dish mm-hmm. um, and, and achieve the same results? So I think sustainability is not only just looking at, hey, this is all natural, so let's yeah. let's p- pick these ingredients, but, but also look at the footprint and look at where they're coming from and what. Um, yeah, I think I think I think that that's that's a big misconception with mm-hmm. sustainability is to see it in a one-dimensional way. Yeah. But it, 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 it touches everything uh, you do as a sustainable business. Uh, and does that, does that, sorry, yeah. I was saying, I don't think any business can be 100% sustainable, you know, just because no. there are so many facets of the business model and the supply yeah. chain. That it's just, you know, there's so many different areas. And so it's just, you know, I guess a level of education that consumers need and which sometimes we lack and therefore don't know how to choose the right products or you know, a lack of awareness. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the only thing a business can do is to 100% try to mm-hmm. be sustainable. Yeah. And really take it in with every decision they take. Like for myself, I'm, 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 the, o- I'm the only, how do you say it, stakeholder in this company. Mm-hmm. And I make every decision we make. Uh, I have this, this simple idea. Can I sleep at night if I make this decision? Because uh, it's it's really about accountability, and Kinfo is for now it's me. Uh, so I, if something goes wrong, or some if I make a mistake, or if I make the uh, a wrong choice, it always comes back to me as a person. And and what you see in the world is really short. Is that for instance companies like Shell, uh, which are really big, and we know we know what they do, and they do really great stuff, but they also do really terrible stuff. But the, they are very impersonal. You know, it's a brand. Uh, but we shouldn't talk about Shell. We should talk about their CEO, the leader, and really put a face on the one, the person that makes the uh, decisions to do this mm-hmm. or to yeah. to keep to, to keep digging holes in the Arctic or I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's really, I think the personal touch makes it more sustainable or easy, more easily to stay, uh, to make sustainable choices. Mm, I think you're so right. It's like the personal responsibility, right? And like you yeah. said, with such a big company like Shell, it's hard to pinpoint who is responsible because the company is so big. Um, yeah. Do you have a specific, I guess, like process and how you make those key decisions? Um, you know, it's a mixture of obviously financial, ethical, like, or do you kind of, you know, use more so your intuition? How do you, how did you develop that kind of decision making? Well, um, first, it's always about creating the best product you can. And, and, and that's, that's for me also as a designer, creating the nicest product we can, also just aesthetically pleasing. Um, uh, so that's the first part. It just has to look good, else we will not do it. A good, a good uh, example is is uh, we've been working, thinking about creating cleaning cloths uh, to sell with our products, which is a easily a, a good match, and people could, 
before you buy your refills, you just add a couple of cloths. So the first idea was to add uh, a microfiber cloth. Um, fairly cheap, you can get them really fast. But my problem for the past, and I've been thinking about this the last six months, was the fact that they are made from polyamide. Polyamide, is that, uh, I don't know how to call it in English. Um, uh, uh, um, we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm really bad yeah. ingredients. I'm really bad yeah. with you, basically, right? It's polyamide. So it's a certain type of plastic. And it, when it mm -hmm. breaks, it, it just leaves. Uh, the, it, every time you use it, it leaves plastic micro uh, 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 yeah, pieces. Uh, yeah. Uh, they, when you wash it, they go to the sink and then they get into our water mm -hmm. system. Interesting. Um, so that that's something like okay, we could we could have had these cloths on the market really fast, but I couldn't sleep at night because it was just not <laughs> correct. Yeah. To, uh, at the one hand, say we don't want plastic bottles, and on the other hand, sell people uh, shitty plastic uh, <laughs> uh, cloths. Oh, yeah. So. So then, yeah, so um, there, is, there is no standard way of approaching this, but it's really just researching and finding out what you want um, uh, and then slowly moving it, moving it into production. Mm. Um, yeah, I think, yeah. Um, you know, we were talking, I wanted to talk more about the circular um, economy business um, because... Mm -hmm. You know, I think you know with Kinfil as a product, it's really developed for the purpose, um, yeah. and the product itself is hundred percent biodegradable uh, cleaning um, extracts. And you know, as you said, nowadays the single-use plastic, harmful chemicals, and and CO two emissions, it's really just dominating the cleaning in industry. And when we look at the circular economy business model, this really articulates the logic of how an organization creates, delivers, and captures value um, to you know, the wider stakeholders whilst minimizing ecological and social costs. But when we compare um, linear versus circular business models, like linear business models basically make products for consumers that eventually become waste. But when we talk at the circular, talk about, talk about circular business model, this really contributes to a circular economy by meeting three principles of which firstly is to design out that waste and pollution secondly to keep the products and materials in use and thirdly to regenerate the natural systems so can we talk a bit more about i guess you know your corporate responsibility um and how you know firstly how you see it from an entrepreneurial perspective um and i think nowadays a lot of people think it's easy to just follow a trend like you're being sustainable and this is a that this is a lifestyle you're, that you're choosing um, and, and also I wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts on greenwashing and how you think companies can kind of manage this in the public eye? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, the, the first idea that came up to mind, which is an, a concept that I've been thinking of while starting Kinfil and even before Kinfil, was just the simple fact that it's easier to, to change one company, let's say Coca-Cola, then to change 10 billion people or 8 billion people on the planet um, who all speak different languages and it's just impossible to sit with each one and tell them from now on we will do things differently. 
So it's really, it, it, for me, it's more about changing systems rather than people. Um, because I think that's, that's the way we will evolve really fast as a, as a, as a planet into more sustainable practices. Um, uh, but so that, that's really the idea of uh, the corporate responsibility. And with, with Kinfo, it's really easy. It's just, um, I, I just hate the fact that, that the corporate responsibility stops as soon as they sell you a product. Yeah. So then it's your problem and just check the back of the product and you'll find out how to recycle it. But that's not the way it should work. I think every Coca-Cola can should, should, should still be, um, uh, how do you say it, uh, uh, should, should still be Coca-Cola's responsibility, even mm -hmm. after we drink the fluid. Mm -hmm. And I think for Kinfil, it was, for me, it was really weird, especially when I was developing Kinfil, uh, finding out how trigger sprayers work. It's, it's really weird that we buy a, a bottle of a multi-surface cleaner or any deter detergent and once it's empty we just throw it out it's it's for me it's like buying a new yeah. car every time you run out of gas that's true it's, actually it's, even with soaps as well like you buy the pump and then you yeah. throw it away so i started buying you know the 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 package without the pump and then just exactly yeah because the pump is such a it, it has been created to work maybe a that's a, that's a, that's very very conservative. Maybe it would work fifty thousand times, uh, but there aren't fifty thousand pumps within that one batch of liquid. So it's 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 it's, it's just uh, yeah, it's very illogical. Uh, uh, but 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 I want to get back to your questions. Um, I, I forgot the second question, Carmen. What was that? Yeah, so I guess, I think we kind of already answered the first question. Oh, because, oh yeah, it, it was talking about greenwashing and, you know, I want to come back to branding, yeah. of course, uh, eventually. But I think there are a lot of kind of new startups within the last five years or, you know, 10 years or so, yeah. starting to jump on the sustainability bandwagon. And yeah, my thoughts are how can how yeah. do you think we manage that in the public eye? Yeah. Well, for me, it's... Uh, this is something very, it sounds weird what I'm going to say, but to me, sustainability is, um, is a result from the choices we make, we made as a company. Uh, it, it's not the main goal. My main goal was efficiency and, 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 and uh, just working with, with values that I have as a consumer and that we are as sustainable as we are today. It's really just a byproduct of just having common sense like just being a person that wants to create something that he i enjoy using myself um and with greenwashing uh yeah i think yeah i see a lot of products and a lot of brands online and also within the cleaning realm with, with recycled plastics and with bioplastics um but it's just too easy for these brands to as uh, to to greenwash as long as we as consumers stay uh, un how do you say it uneducated about just about simple things as what are the waste management systems in my own community uh, what types of plastics are there as long as we don't know this stuff it's very easy for anyone to just come in and tell us hey look at my bottle it's bioplastic I don't know if if we can yeah exactly. but it's a big problem because it's 
we don't know if you can your your waste plant or how's that your waste surface provider can uh, can process that bottle. Mm. So so you might have good intentions in buying the product, but just I just think we need to educate ourselves uh, and and just locally uh, rather than uh, globally, because yeah. every country, every city, every village has its own set of rules. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think the whole, you know, the recycling process in Europe, especially the Netherlands and, you know, parts of, um, in Sweden and in Copenhagen was much more, you know, comprehensive than it is over here in Asia. Like in Singapore, yeah. there's so much single-use plastic. Like in the whole percentages, yeah. they'll give you a, a plastic, you know, cup to put your drinking and then a bag to, plastic bag to hold your cup. And it's just, yeah. well, I don't well, know. We don't even have well, recycling I've, bins, really. It's not mandatory. No. no, and also, like, uh, at the moment, um, I read this article in the Dutch newspaper, uh, but there is, an, uh, uh, there is, uh, well, they recycle some kinds of plastics, but there is no use for it at the moment. So they just, they recycle it, they make uh, new uh, recycled plastic sheets, but no one uses them. Uh, so now that that's also becoming a problem. Like there is no system for it. It's, and that was the choice that for me was that, that made me choose glass because glass is very straightforward. Uh, we all know where to throw glass away and we know what happens. It just slips mm -hmm. into the streams of glass uh, recycling. Um, so yeah, it's, I think it's really important to to know what you buy and before you buy it to check if your if if your country or city can manage that uh, waste. Yeah, so do your research. Have you seen the Netflix uh, show Kiss the Ground? No, no, no. Oh, it's really good. But it talks about you know it's very much around sustainable living. But it yeah. starts off by describing the importance of the the soil and our ground yeah. and how everything's all interconnected but um yeah you should watch it it's super interesting well, well, what what you see right now is that a lot of plastic gets shipped to get shipped to africa because it would go to asia to china at first mm -hmm. and to singapore i guess uh, and now uh, not singapore it was it went to asia vietnam uh, and they would just uh, there are a lot of cases where containers of single-use plastics would just get filled here in Europe and they would get uh, they would put them on a ship and get them to China and then they would get buried or whatever and mm -hmm. that's that's such a waste of energy of, of, yeah. of the transportation um, so I think we are at a critical moment uh, at a critical point as a as a as a as, as a people, uh, um, yeah, we just need to change stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's pretty really amazing how, you know, you came up with the idea and you launched just before, obviously you had no idea that COVID was going to hit. <laughs> but do you think that's yeah. kind of helped in a positive, positive way in terms of the impact on sales revenue? I, people becoming um, more OCD and conscious of cleaning? Well, uh, I, I don't know. I can't say because I don't know how it would have been without the COVID. Yeah. So mm -hmm. is it is it the product or is it just COVID that is? Yeah, uh, yeah that's true. Um, but we get a lot of questions um, uh, about uh, disinfectant because our product is not a disinfectant. 
and and a lot of people were are not a lot but when we get that question people assume that it's disinfecting um and that's also one of those well, things that uh, i told you just for my interest yeah. what actually makes it disinfectant compared to well that that it kills the bacteria okay. and a cleaner we wash the bacteria away right i see that's the difference because as as i told you before every i i just have to feel good about it um before i produce something and with the disinfectant i was just um i thought it was well, i just don't trust it because we are humans we are we are a big bacteria and what health implications would it have if i would tell you something that you would use maybe two times three times a day that is disinfecting how would that how i don't believe it's good for us to use it disinfectants yeah. for a long period of time um that's really interesting i think the same yeah, concept yeah. so i'm actually working with a skincare company at the moment and they have just launched a new product range um, which is the microbiome product range yeah and yeah. she explains the concept of which i'm sure you know the microbiome on your face and how we have these good and bad bacteria yeah you were saying how the reason why people get such bad skin um, and they claim to, you know, always, they're always claiming to, you know, have a thorough, thorough skincare routine. They're cleaning very well, it's radiating, and it's like the products they're using are too harsh. And it's actually breaking the barrier of the skin, which causes breakouts. Whereas this microbiome, you know, these products are a lot more uh, friendly on your skin, which is basically the same concept as what you're what yeah. you right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I, I also discussed this with uh, with uh, with the chemist, you know, the grumpy old man, uh, but and he was very straightforward. Like it, it's it just keep surfaces clean rather than use a disinfectant once a week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just um, yeah. yeah. So I guess I want to talk a bit more about the branding, of course, like of Kim Phil and yeah. how you started to develop that. But my first question is really, you know, we were talking about your career journey before and how yeah. you, prior to becoming a creative director, you were a strategic planner. And for those yeah. of you, so for audience who doesn't know what a planner does, you know, I guess it's, it's like the brains in some sense, like you, you deal with a lot of data, it's analysis, it's research, it's like d dealing with the brand strategy um, before it's developed into the, the physical, you know, design aspect, the color and logo. What made you transition from becoming a planner to, you know, going to the more creative, uh, uh, creative physical designing part? Uh, yeah, it was very simple because my background was, I was always designing and, and uh, so I went to art school to study advertising. Um, but got, uh, it didn't work out for me. Uh, so I just went to the agency that I, there was one really cool agency in Rotterdam and I just applied. And uh, um, yeah, so I really just combined the strategic planning with some designing uh, on the side. Um, yeah, I don't know, it just went hand in hand. It, there was because I would design my presentations in a way uh, th that they were like, okay, this looks good, so maybe you can help us design other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so that's basically how it went. It was very, uh, yeah, it was very natural, very casual. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. So then, like, when so I guess 
what was the process like for creating the brand identity and the value proposition? Did you do it all yourself or did you yeah. get any help? Uh, well, I did it myself, uh, but I did the bare minimum, uh, to be honest, because we, um, um, how do I explain this? I don't really believe in, in, a, in a fixed brand identity with, with very detailed, uh, uh, how do you say it, uh, a, a brand Bible or something. I believe a brand should be, there are some aspects like your logo, your typology, uh, and, uh, typography and uh, your brand color should be defined but the rest should just grow organically and that's what i did um so it was very simple uh it, I, I, I set the typography and then i typed in kinville and we had the logo and uh, <laughs> uh and i knew the 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 colors that i wanted because i wanted to create something that's uh, that's, that's more in the directions of cosmetics rather than uh, the, the harsh, basic, co primary colored cleaning industry. So, so that's, yeah. Yeah. And it, 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 yeah, I'm trying to think, think of maybe something interesting about this process, but the thing with Kinsel was that it just, it went so fast and nothing really, it all was feeling and just, into from it. the bottle you came into the identity and then the typography and it just fit it fits really well because i waited for each step mm. uh, what typography yeah. what typeface are you using out of interest um that's uh, portrait portrait uh, oh, wow. it's called it's 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 really nice it's, yeah uh, I love it. even the website it just looks super clean and obviously the photography which is so important for um any e-commerce platform um but it, well it's really funny if you look at other detergents it's um uh, i just looked at what what all of the big ones do and then i said we can do this better uh, let's make it more personal let's use a serif most of them use the, like really big commercial fonts yeah. and, <laughs> and very primary colors and always people that are really happy to clean uh well, <laughs> we never show people cleaning because i don't think uh yeah I just thought, why would we show people? Let's just show the product. It comes show, across uh, as a bit fake and forced in a way. Um, yeah, yeah. You make yeah. it sound so easy. I think that's just because it is your trade and, and you know, it's your area of expertise. And so it comes natural to you. But, you know, for audience who are looking to maybe yeah. start a new business or develop a new brand and don't have, you know, the skills and talent that you have, what kind of, what kind of advice what practical tips can you give um, in terms of developing the visual identity? Yeah. Well, um, well it, it sounds easy, Carmen, but it's not. It was not, and it still is not. Um, <laughs> but I think what made it easy for me was I, I got in trouble every time I tried to copy something because I didn't understand what the creator of that other brand or, or whatever booklet or whatever uh was trying and what the set of rules and the, the the philosophy behind that piece of design was so i think that, that to make it easier for oneself is to just really try to design and work from what you want rather than copying something that you're not or you don't understand or uh, so to really keep it close to yourself and really yeah um, because it's it's uh, for instance you could you could 
start a product tomorrow and copy Aesop. But as long as you don't understand the philosophy of Aesop and really live that philosophy, you can never copy them. Because after two or three weeks, where you would have to design, let's say, an invoice, <laughs> it, you would get stuck because the, you wouldn't understand the rules that they set at the beginning within the philosophy. And what uh, is the philosophy for Kinfield? For Kinfield, haha. Well, we are, yeah, what is the philosophy? Well, that's, that's a difficult one because we are, at the moment, we are um, uh, growing a bit. We are adding people to the team and especially designers because I cannot keep designing everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and right now I am the philosophy, but, but the, so we'll have to find a way to, to have the designer understand it. Uh, but for me, uh, yeah, uh, I wrote this down earlier because it's something I've been using a couple of years. It's a quote by Tibor Kalman. Uh, it's a graphic designer. And he, it's a very simple one. Everything is an experiment. And I really approach, I approach everything in that way um, because there is no fixed way of doing things. Just experiment and try to calculate for yourself the risks or the, the, the chances yeah. of success, uh, because everything is an experiment. It's very simple. Okay. It's the same thing as everything moves. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's true. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I guess like, what's been the biggest challenge for you since starting the business? Um, well, the biggest challenge was, let me think. Well, when we started, we got a lot of uh, uh, retail um, well, at first I was thinking to just launch an online brand, like with a web shop and no retail. And then we got so many requests that I started thinking, okay, maybe we should do this because it's also a smart marketing move to be able to see our Kindle products or discover it in, in shops. But we were not prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a big challenge to really find out how we could surface retail and how do we speak to retail and what um, retail margins i never heard of that stuff so it's it's, it's yeah that's true um, so i just we really learned the hard way we at first the first shop we we took on i won't say any names but just didn't fit with kinfo as where we wanted to be where we are right now and then we made some deals that that are uh yeah that are not very good for ourselves for kinfield but i think as i said before everything is an experiment and as long as each experiment doesn't kill you or uh, makes you go bankrupt <laughs> it's okay you know you just learn from it and but, but yeah uh, that's the biggest challenge it's adaption in fields that you've never mm. worked with before yeah um, I guess like retail itself is a completely new space. And yeah, like you said, yeah. there's specific margins for, you know, cleaning products, yeah. I guess, and you being able to know how to manage these strategic partnerships and being yeah. able to price yourself well. Well, for instance, we don't work with supermarkets because that was just the thing that I said in the beginning, like we would never work with a supermarket and we still don't and we will never work with a supermarket. Mm-hmm. But we work with cosme- high-end cosmetic stores, mm-hmm. high-end department stores. And uh, um, I actually even think yeah. your product would look so nice on like cafe um, shelves, like in like beautifully designed cafes. I think people yeah, are interested yeah. in buying it, uh, yeah. you know. Well, 
there are some cafes and 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 uh, offices, you know, like the WeWork concepts that use Kinfill, but we don't have any specific special programs for those kinds of offices. Because, or we do now, I think, since uh, a month. But that's all stuff like it just comes at you, and then you're like, oh, how am I going to deal with this? And then you just. Yeah test something and just keep doing it until it stops working and then iterating it. Uh, it's the beauty yeah. of startups, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just before we, uh, we kind of wrap things up, I usually ask these kind of a bit more personal questions to some of our podcast guests. Um, yeah. I think too scary, but you just have to answer these. So yeah, 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 the first yeah. one is, what is your morning routine like? <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah. Uh, well, I always read this, these articles about this on Medium and I see all these <laughs> entrepreneurs. Really, and, like, I, I love morning routines. Really, I oh, yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> I, they make me anxious because then I see, oh, this guy wakes up at six and starts reading books. And, uh, mine is not doing that every day. Uh, well, mine is very simple. Uh, I wake up, uh, I feed my cats because they, they wake me <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I, I drink coffee and then I, I take a shower and uh, I'm yeah, heading for the office. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's not a Superman type of uh, morning routine. <laughs> no. I love that. Super um, grounded. And if, so what is one brand that you're really loving right now? Um, well, um, um, yeah, in, in terms of uh, just this anything, um, oh, well, I, I, um, well, at the moment, yeah. Do I have to use the product or is it just something that I can see and think, <laughs> hey, think this so. looks great? Unless you just... Um, well, uh, I, I drive a Polestar car. I just got it two weeks ago, and I really love Polestar. Oh, oh what sorry? Or, uh, Polestar. It's uh, it, it's 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 like it's an electric vehicle, and it's made by a sweet uh, uh, Volvo. Oh. And their their identity and the way they approach the car and is is really amazing. Um, um, because when you take that example of this new car brand, it's like kind of like a Tesla, but then just came out this, mm. I think I was in the first 2000 that had a car. Yeah. But what's really interesting is, and it's the same for Kinfil, and it's, it's, it's really, it says a lot about the future and of sustainability on the planet, is um, the user experience, combining user experience with sustainability. Um, and when you look at um, uh, like the Prius that came out maybe 15, mm. 20 years ago, the first electric car in the, wor in the world, it was really ugly. And after, you know, later on, we, we, Tesla came ahead with the Model 3 and, um, and people started uh, buying the Tesla because they really liked it. Mm. So the adaption rate of more sustainable solutions uh, has to be by design. It has to be matched uh, design, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's first design, then sustainability, because sustainability mm -hmm. is something that is very logical for the future brands. Yeah. And so if you start a business, it has to be sustainable, else you just, just stop. Just don't yeah, do exactly. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And just on that note, what is one piece of advice you'd give to the future generation? Uh, well, that, that's what I said before. 
So everything is an experiment, just in the broadest sense with everything you do. Uh, there are no truths. There are, yeah, there are truths, of course. There are facts. But in, in just handling and doing stuff, just, just try it because there, yeah, you can't go wrong in many cases. Uh, you can learn from your mistakes and, and yeah. most of the times you can, you can adjust and, and, and replan and attempt it another time. Uh, but for, for instance, with our Instagram, it's something that has been bothering me for a long time because we're not posting. And after, after from the beginning, I was posting and then I got really scared. <laughs> and now I'm again like, what are you doing? People forget that post within a day. Like, just keep uh, telling, communicating. Uh, so yeah, I forgot about my own slogan. Not my own, but everything is an experiment. So just t- don't take it too seriously. Yeah, that's great advice. What a really good way to end this. I think that pretty much sums up everything that we've talked about today. Um, and yeah, I just want to say thank you so much, Ria, for joining us today and sharing your story. Thank you. And Kinfil. Um, all of the details will be in the show notes. And you can find us on Instagram at, at another startup story. And you can find Kinfil at kinfil.homecare. Kinfil.homecare. Brilliant. So, yeah. yeah. Please feel free to reach out and say hi. This podcast is growing through word of mouth, so please continue to share it with your friends or anyone you think uh, might find this useful. It would also mean a lot if you would leave a review on Apple as this helps us to get discovered by more like-minded people.